Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Something like that. <laughs> okay. Right back at it on the fan. I was looking at the box score for the Nets, and, uh, you know, it's a good night for the Nets when Ben Simmons doesn't get booed, plays 20 minutes, and flies under the radar. That bum... Ben Simmons, they're figuring out ways to hide him but play him and get some type of work out of him. It is what it is. He had two points. He was one for two shooting, uh, four rebounds, four assists. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine for this year. It's just something that Nets fans have to accept. Ben Simmons is on this team. He has zero trade value. One night you're going to get an uninspired performance out of him. You got to just hope that he can blend in and not turn the ball over and not get booed. And we'll take that. We'll take that. Especially on a team where you have Claxton, who only had four points tonight, 25 minutes. And I really think, I look at Nick Claxton as like, this guy is affected by the fact that he lost James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie in the last two seasons. He's been here four years. He's looked up to those guys. He's made friendships with those guys, and they're no longer here, and now he's playing with a new cast of characters, and he went from being Defensive Player of the Year candidate to now they're not talking about him anymore because he's not on a team with KD and Kyrie. He's feeling it a little bit, and he's adjusting a little bit, but that's okay. He's your starting center, and then they play Ben Simmons kind of to back him up, and they didn't use De'Ron Sharp at all tonight, and Ben Simmons was serviceable. I mean, other things from the Nets game, Cam Thomas off the bench giving you 21 minutes, 19 points. I don't think he's happy either because he just had a historic breakout performance in three games, scoring 40 back-to-back-to-back. And it seemed like the Nets were kind of elevating him to say, hey, you know, we don't have KD Kyrie, but we got this young guy that we drafted that can give us 40 points. And uh, it it, it isn't a, a team now where you're relying on Cam to get you 40 but he can get off the bench and give you close to 20, give you 19, outscore the entire Heat bench. And then Mikael Bridges goes for 45. So it's like, you know, those games where you're seeing KD go for 40 or Kyrie go for 40, like that production can be replaced. And now you have a, a group of guys that are all bought in, that are going to play defense, that are going to be selfless, that are worried about the team and their teammates and the organization and the fans. And I think that fits the Brooklyn Nets and the New Jersey Nets and the New York Nets and then, you know, Americans or whatever, you know, I think that fits them better. I've been saying for a while, like, Nets fans weren't used to being the villains. We We weren't used to being the big, bad, big three with all this hype and expectations and everybody rooting for you to fail, everybody rooting for you to 
lose. Now we have a, a team that I think is going to gel and come together and have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And I think that's good for business. Um, you know, not for nothing. Brooklyn, the community in Brooklyn is heavily Jewish. And if you watch the game tonight, there were, you know, some Jewish people courtside. I noticed a couple guys with yarmulkes, and I go to the games. I see the J- Jewish community um, out there. I actually ran into a guy. It was weird. I ran to this guy that I knew from, you know, where I'm from in Monmouth County. There's a lot of uh, Jewish people from Brooklyn that spend the summer in Monmouth County where I grew up. And uh, I just didn't recognize the guy. I just didn't register. I hadn't seen this guy in like 15, 20 years, I feel like. And he's like, you don't remember me? And I'm like, nah, I don't, bro. Like, and like, I didn't, I, I, I felt like I was being a, a jerk, but like, I just, I just didn't remember him. And I was about to jump on the radio with Capper and Carino. So I kind of like, uh, you know, just didn't give him that much time. But, you know, I thought about it after and where I knew him from. And I was like, good to see him out here with his kids. And supporting the Brooklyn Nets after what went on with Kyrie earlier in this year. I'm telling you, that was not a good look. It was bad for business. And as many people want to criticize Joe Tsai and Sean Marks for not re-signing Kyrie, like I saw a bunch of people saying, I would have re-signed Kyrie if it meant KD was on my team. No, no, that's not that's not it, right? You don't just re-sign Kyrie and give him another four years, $200 million guaranteed to keep KD happy. They both can leave. And you... You get players for them, and you get picks for them, and you start focusing on the future, and you hope that there's no anti-Semitism, there's no distractions, and when this whole thing, you know, hits a couple years uh, since the KD Kyrie era, it's going to wear more on them and their legacies. KD better go win it with the Suns this year. Kyrie ain't winning with the Mavs, but, uh, they, you know, there's reports that he most likely signs with the Mavs. Um I think their GM was speaking last night about Kyrie's character and how he knows his family and supposedly Kyrie trademarked the phrase, two words, no concern, because the GM spoke and said, you know, I have no concern about Kyrie. Yeah, you could say that, you know, you you could say that, but we don't believe you. Of course you have concern about Kyrie. The wind could blow a certain kind of way, and he's posting Alex Jones conspiracy theories on his Instagram. 877-337-6666. 877-337-6666. I got about 50 minutes left with probably two more breaks, so really like 25 minutes, 30 minutes left. Taking your calls. Let's get back to the phones right now. Hey, Lisa out in New Jersey on the fan. Oh, hi, Keith. Yeah, this is Lisa. Um, I, remember, I think I called you last week, and I told you I would call back after the Super Bowl. Um, I'm so, I'm glad, I know we're not doing too much full talk tonight, but I'm glad Kansas City won because that's who I was, um, pulling for. I love, you know, Pat, Pat Mahomes. He is so good. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes is such a good, um, quarterback. I was getting a little concerned in that first quarter when they went down by, um, I think it was like 10 points. Yeah, but, and then he got hurt. I, I said, yeah, I looked to my oh wife, my I God. said, game over. When, game yeah, over. When him, <laughs> yeah, when I saw him get hurt, I was like, oh, and you could see he was in a lot of pain, but. Thank God he was able to, you know, come back into the game and, you know, they was able to, you know, able to win and, and pull it out. Yeah, it was a great um, Super was, Bowl. It lived up to the hype for me. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. And um, also, yeah, I had to, you know, I'm a Nets fan, so I got to weigh in on that. Um, I think it's like a relief for the Brooklyn Nets, really, you know, for them to get rid of, not get it, but, you know, trade uh, Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant. Um, looks like, you know, everything is, I was kind of up, you know, up, not upset, but you know, felt like okay, what's going to happen with the team now? But I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be okay. Um, 
I guess it was just like what Jock Vaughn said, you know, even with, with he just said a few minutes ago on your update, what he was saying, he said, you know, he got, they got players in there that, you know, really want to, you know, learn. And, and I think, I think, I guess it might be, a, I guess, a better atmosphere for, for the whole team. Um, sure. you know, for what it's, I can it's a healthier environment. It's more conducive for success. I think it's more conducive for coaching and basketball and a team and an organization and not an organization and team that is being hamstrung by one guy really in Kyrie and then right. his buddy attached at the hip, KD. You know, I, for what they produced here, it wasn't worth it. They did, they, I, they won seven games in the playoffs. Right. They made it to the second round. They weren't going to do much this year either with the team as constructed. As KD was, was yeah. hurt every year. Like I, I don't know. I'm 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 glad. I'm actually glad it's over because yeah. I, I thought so many different ways about how it would end. Um, I thought that there was a chance that Kyrie wasn't gonna play again after the vaccine stuff, after the anti-Semitism stuff. KD gets hurt every year. You never know how he's gonna come back or if he's gonna get hurt again. And he requested the trade this summer, and that to me signaled the end. This is a guy right. that signed an extension to be here but then requested a trade and asked for the GM and head coach to be fired. I'm like, okay, they're all in for this year. They didn't even make it the full year. They made it to the trade deadline and blew it up. Yeah. I think, too, in the beginning, like, management made the decision of kind of, like, doing things that – I don't know how that – you know, we don't we never know what the behind-the-scenes was going on, but, you know, they kind of catered to, to um, Kyrie and KD. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? With certain things. They held the organization hostage. That's what right. happens with this player empowerment movement. And when you go the superstar route, like these guys are, are, I don't know, they live in a different world. They are walking around like like everyone has to bow to them. Like the owner who's a billionaire has to do exactly what they want and say, or all right, I'm going to show you my power. I'm going to force my way out and go play elsewhere. Goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. So the fans so don't look happened. the, the yeah. fans don't look well on that because they show no loyalty to us, our location, our team. And that's all we have is fans. Right. So a question I forgot when when James when they traded James Harden to Philly and we got um Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond and some picks. Oh right. That's I'm just, I was just trying to I forgot that yeah, Seth Curry came along with that. I'm saying they had to take Ben Simmons. That's what I'm trying to figure out, right? You know, like why did they have to take him? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, like I was, why did they take I was him? right here in this studio. Uh Craig and Evan pulled me in. The first day we even heard some uh, rumblings of a trade. And I said, no, you do not. I'm like, if Hart, force Harden to play out the rest of this year, trade him in the summer to somewhere else. You do not take on the headache that is Ben Simmons. There's right. a reason that, like, the Sixers are suing him. And there's a reason that the fans hate him. And I've watched his game decline. And he's a head case. And, like, I believe... He's got mental health issues because it's like the guy can go out there and be a bum and then put on a smile in the media and act like it's okay. Like he, I think he's a, a, a little off and his <laughs> game is completely different. Like I, I watched him have a 34 point triple double on Martin Luther King day in Brooklyn three years ago. That player mm -hmm. is gone. So when yeah. they took on Ben Simmons and I knew that right, Daryl Morey uh, who was with James Harden in Houston uh, he he found one team that was dumb enough, dumb enough to, to take, take Ben yeah, Simmons, and it right. was it was oh. a perfect storm. It was a combination of things. The same team was dumb enough to trade for James Harden, who forced his way out of Houston by being out of shape and quitting right. on the team and being uninterested. And then as soon as he felt 
that he was here in Brooklyn and had to shoulder the load too much. He came here to get a quick ring playing next to Katie and Kyrie. As soon as Kyrie was in and out of the uh, locker room oh, and right. Katie yeah, Ky- was hurt. I mean, um, Katie got hurt. He's that's like, I'm not here to carry out, this but- franchise. I don't even like New York that much. Like, get me out of here. I want to go yeah. to the booty club. I want to be out <laughs> with the strippers. I want to be on private jets. And that's what they allowed him to do. And, and the Nets were dumb enough to take yeah. Ben Simmons on. Another quick question. The World Baseball Classic. Now, I'm a, you know, I'm a Mets fan. But which play, I, know, I think you said Pete Alonso is going um, going to play in the, in the tournament. And what other Mets? I think you had mentioned. Is Edwin Diaz, is he going to be in, in the World Baseball Classic? Let me pull up the full list so I don't. Yeah, I'm like, what? Suppose these players get hurt. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't want... Yes, Edwin Diaz will be in it. Here is the full list. We already listed Pete Alonso, Team USA, Edwin Diaz, Puerto Rico. Adam Mm -hmm. Adovino will also be representing Team USA with Jeff McNeil. And uh, on Team Puerto Rico, you'll also have Francisco Lindor playing with Edwin Diaz. Mark Vientos will play for Team Nicaragua. And uh, I feel like there's more than that. I feel but like I'm... Pose, pose, they, pose they get hurt playing in this. I mean, the, 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 the team has to approve them to play in, in these tournaments, correct? Yeah. I think so, yeah. right? I mean, the Yankees were going to have Luis Severino go play for the Dominican and uh, Nestor Cortez for the United States. And as it got closer to time, they pulled back on that and they said no. Okay. Brandon right. Nimmo like, won't be playing for the Mets. He changed his mind. I think yeah, he got he, he got to camp and he and he's he just got this big contract and he's like, nah, I don't uh, I don't want to risk it. Supposed to get hurt. Okay, that's that's my only concern. I mean, you know, like you were saying, Peter Alonso says it's like a prep for the season. Like, but still, I don't know. I'm just concerned they might. I, I liked his take on it because I I hadn't heard that take. His mm-hmm. take on it was that it, it's it's high stakes. It's high level right. baseball. Yeah. And that'll get you ready for October. And he said, I've only played three games, and we just saw those three games against the Padres in the wild card round. Mm-hmm. I, I like I that take on it. Like, okay, this guy's trying to compete at the highest level. He's trying to get a taste of what the highest level of competition is in his sport because, he, you know, he hasn't had that in the you know seasons he's played for the Mets. He's trying to get a taste mm-hmm. of that in March and hope that that carries over to October. Maybe. Okay. We'll see. We'll be watching. We'll see what happens. Another quick thing. I know you guys have the calls. Have you ever been to the um, African American Museum in Washington, D.C.? No, I, I've never been to Washington, okay. D.C. I, I definitely want to wanna, okay. No, I definitely want to go. Okay, they have a whole section at the museum that's dedicated, you know, to African Americans in pro sports. And it's just, just a great, it's very, I mean, the whole museum is great, but I've been there three times. So, because um, it's just so much to see, you can't really like cover it all in one day. But if you ever get a chance, definitely try to try to. Like I said, they have a whole section dedicated to you know, you know, African Americans and in, in, you know in in the in the sport, in all the different sports. It's really really good, and um, I'm definitely going to try. Well, I told you earlier, I went to the Baseball Hall of Fame like in November. But on my bucket list, I'm trying to get to the Basketball Hall of Fame this year and the Football Hall of Fame. So those are the other two. Um, Museums I'm trying to get to this year, and hopefully I'll, I'll, you know, get there. Have you ever been to the football or the basketball Hall of Fame? Never been to any okay. of them. Football, basketball, okay. baseball, nope. Um, oh, okay. They just opened well, a Jackie get... Robinson Museum. Yeah, I have to get to that. I haven't. Yeah, gone there, I, I, I can walk over there. Bucket. I think to that. So I, I <laughs> gotta try and get list. there. Yeah, 
I got to get there. Yeah, I, I love I love things like that, history and you know things like that. Of course, but I just course. wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to check. But if you ever get a chance, definitely try to get. And for that museum, is for anybody, the whole country. It's just it's just it's just marble. I mean, it's just something to see the one in the one in Washington D.C. Yeah, the Brooklyn but, Nets um, went there. They popped in. I remember. Um... A few years back, you know, a couple of players went when they played against the Wizards. I just, I've never been to D.C. The only time I went to D.C. was mm-hmm. for March Madness in like 2006. I, I was at oh, that okay. game where George Mason beat UConn. Oh, okay, okay. Like I said, whenever, you know, whenever you do, you know, I know things are hard. You know, sometimes it's hard time-wise since I'm getting to these different places. But if you ever get a chance to. Okay, Keith, um, I enjoyed, you know, listening to your show and I enjoyed talking to you. And take care. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the call, Lisa. Wow, you just made me think of a bunch of different things and sparked a memory and a good story to tell. Um, My last name, McPherson. There's a McPherson Square in Washington, D.C. I think there's a few things named McPherson. There's an elementary school. There's some other stuff. I've just never been to Washington, um, D.C. I need to put that on the list. I would love to see, you know, Nationals Park. That's a ballpark that's not far from here that's on my list. I've seen 15 ballparks in Major League Baseball. I've never seen Nationals Park. I've been to the Camden Yards. Um, so, yeah, I definitely got to do that and then go check out the uh, African-American Museum and make a full day, maybe two days out of that. I'm thinking back to when I went to D.C. I think it was still the Verizon Center. Um, I'll never forget this. My uncle, shout out to my my, my uncle, when I was younger, my dad wasn't around. So my uncle did bring me to some very early like sporting events that will always stick out that I always remember. I, I always remember going to the first Union Center and seeing Allen Iverson in the playoffs against the Detroit Pistons in the early 2000s, maybe 2003, maybe even earlier than that. Uh, and then I always remember going to see George Mason yeah, it was March 26, 2006. George Mason knocked off UConn. I can't wait for March Madness. I'm about to lock in, too. This weekend, I'm about to really start looking through these basketball teams because even tonight, I, I made a, a couple dollars. I made like 240 on FanDuel tonight betting on the Nets, but I was scared betting. You know, scared money don't make no money. I, I wasn't really betting a lot of money because I haven't been betting basketball. Last year, I bet on the Celtics a ton, and I cashed. When they gave me my... FanDuel year in review, they're like, number one team you bet on was the Celtics. I'm like, yeah, because they're they're good. They're a sure bet. But um, I, I can't wait to get into March Madness and set up parlays and bet because I cashed last year, and I really didn't even know that much last year. Uh, I can't wait for this year. So the only time I ever went to the March Madness tournament, I've been to some like uh, ACC tournaments that have been here, Big Ten tournaments that have been here, but the actual like regional tournament was in Washington, D.C., my senior year of high school. And uh, I just got my L's. Like, I just was able um, to drive. I want to say I maybe didn't even have my L's yet because if it was March, yeah, I didn't even have my L's yet. Maybe I did. You get you get your license at 17? I was 17 at the time. I went down to D.C. My uncle drove us down in his uh, Ford Explorer big truck, and uh, his homeboy was with him. And I remember it was – I think it was a Sunday – because there were games on Saturday that we didn't go to. And we were just like, ah, whatever. You know, we skipped those games. But we wanted to see UConn. And that was the only game we went to see. We didn't even see the earlier game. And that UConn team, I remember they were stacked. They had Rudy Gay. 
Um, who else was on that team? Uh, I can't remember who else was on that team. Um, let me look at Josh Boone. <laughs> Josh Boone was on that team. Man, they had some other players that I'm blanking on. I'm pulling up the uh, box score now as I tell this story and try and paint the picture for you guys. Um, so, yeah, it was UConn, and they were a juggernaut. They're playing against a Cinderella in George Mason, who is number 11. But George Mason, their school is not far from there. So they had a good amount of fans in attendance. They weren't supposed to beat UConn that day, but they beat them in overtime. And I remember my uncles drinking in there. And, uh, you know, my uncle and his friend, I just referred to them both as my uncles at the time. It was like that. Drinking in there, and they they get so drunk to the point, right? It goes to overtime, they're still drinking, and, and George Mason wins, and we know it's historic, and they're alumni and their fans are in there celebrating and we stay a little bit longer and then you know it's time to get home I got school the next day and my uncle and his friend neither one of them can barely walk straight they sauced they they got drunk in there and I didn't feel really safe about it but uh it was a situation where they're like yo you got your permit you got your L's you're gonna have to drive us home so imagine being a 17-year-old kid. You just go see the craziest basketball game live you know, in the country. Never, never imagined I would go to D.C. and watch UConn lose to George Mason, the number 11 seed versus the one seed. Now I got to drive from D.C. back to Monmouth County, New Jersey. <laughs> and uh, I just remember it was a fight-or-flight moment. And I, I consider myself a good driver, but I wasn't that... Nice behind the wheel as a senior in high school, 17. Definitely not driving a big Ford Explorer. But I remember the scariest part was just getting out of the parking lot and getting past the police and the crowd and the people walking. And then once we got on the highway, I was fine. And, you know, my uncles, they were drunk, but they weren't blacked out drunk. They were watching me. They were coaching me up. They were giving me, uh, you know, re- positive reinforcements. You got it. You got it. Turn right here. Turn right here. I can take this exit. Hey, speed up. Pass this car. But as we made the trip from Maryland to Jersey, we stopped at the liquor store twice. And they were sipping Bombay and mixing it with Sprite. They were having a blast. They loved the fact that, you know, young boy was able to drive home. But when we get home and we get we get to my uncle's house and I pull into the driveway, my mom is there, my aunt is there, and they're pissed off. They're mad. And they get word that, okay, you guys were supposed to be responsible ones. You got drunk and left your lives and the car and Keith's lives in the hands of a 17-year-old driving from Maryland back to New Jersey late at night. Did it. Successfully. Won. Got us home. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad that story just came back to me thinking about Washington, D.C. The only time I've ever been there. I was terrified driving out of there, driving home. But, you know, you got to learn. Fight or flight. Especially behind the wheel. You can't be afraid to drive the car I always remember my brother, his girlfriend, Kalina. Kalina's probably somewhere in the city. I, I would love to reunite with Kalina. If anyone's listening and knows a Romanian chick named Kalina, connect her with me. But Kalina was the one that helped me learn how to drive. My brother was always messing with me, playing with me, like laughing about it. He'll get in the passenger seat. And I remember we had to drive and pick my mom up from work, and I'm terrified. They could just tell how, like, I'm getting in the car, like, scared. And Kalina taps me and she's like are you afraid she's like don't be afraid driving us and she says you drive the car the car doesn't drive you this car does nothing 
without you doing it. And that changed my whole mind frame about driving. I'm like, this car is dead. This car is off. This car is shut down. This car doesn't move until I turn the key, until I put it in drive, until I put my foot on this gas pedal or this brake, and until I put my hands on the wheel. And, like, I thank her to this day. That's what changed my whole driving experience. And, uh, yeah, I'm a pretty decent driver now. And I made it from D.C. to Jersey as a 17-year-old with a permit. I definitely at least have my permit. I think you get your license at 17, so maybe I had my actual license. And Let's see, NJ Driver's License Age. That, t- that tells you, yeah, it's 17. Tells you how, how washed I am. That was half my life ago. Uh, and there's, I'm looking at it now, may not drive between 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. That's exactly when I was driving, <laughs> but, uh, pulled it off and figured it out and, uh, got home safely. Little, little story to mix in and it's sports related. George Mason, great Cinderella story. They beat UConn and I saw it live and that was one of the first sporting events I saw live. Uh, shout out to my uncle Cyrus for hooking that up. Cashman rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. I own a t-shirt that literally says Cashman rules everything around me. Kind of paying homage to Wu-Tang Clan. And shout out to Rotaware. Rotaware is the gang. Kenny and the uh, Rotaware fam. I'm a big supporter of them. They were early adopters of me, you know. Rotaware came on the scene in like 2016, 2017. They started sending me stuff then. And uh, I've been repping them ever since. But yeah, that Cashman shirt, uh, I've worn it on MLB Network. I've worn it in here. I I don't think I can wear it anymore. I just don't rock with cash like I once did. I just kind of think it's crazy some of the decisions and moves he's made with this team. And his job security is never in question. And I understand he's a guy that is viewed as one of the best GMs ever in baseball and in New York and all of that. But I don't know. There's so many guys getting fired in professional sports. I'm not calling for his job, but there's so many guys that are getting let go or, you know, things going south and them being held accountable for it. I just don't think we'll see that. I've been on record here saying that that's Cashman's job with the New York Yankees until he doesn't want it, until he wants to retire. And I just feel like in these last couple years, more than ever, we've had Yankees fans calling for his job. And why is that? Not because he's been able to have all of these winning seasons and to get to the postseason or whatever. It's because he's come up short from what Yankees fans came to expect at the beginning of his tenure. And that's World Series appearances and World Series wins. And I have this fear that I've had since 2017, the start of the baby bomber era, and then you add John Carlos Stanton to it, and you add Garrett Cole to it, and now you had to overpay Aaron Judge, but you add Carlos Rodon to it, and you found different players in the mix, like DJ LeMayu to add to this, Anthony Rizzo to add to this. My fear is that you have this collection of talent, you have these players in their primes, Judge is in his prime prime. Giancarlo Stan's still in his prime. Cole's still in his prime, even though he doesn't have his sticky stuff. Rizzo is up there, but he's still in his prime. You understand what I'm saying? Like My fear is that you have all of this talent, all of these players in their prime, and if they don't get to one World Series, whose fault is that? 
the guy that's generally managing the team, the general manager. I can't put it on the manager because I believe that the manager who was handpicked by the general manager is an extension of him. This manager who came from the TV booth with no experience managing but had a ton of success. Not knocking Boone, but you've heard me also say that I believe Boone has a bucket of things he can do and things that he can't do, and he gets into game situations and he's forced to choose his own adventure between you know limited options. And that's why us as fans, we're like, why would you pinch hit Joey Gallo here? Why would you go to Clark Schmidt out of the bullpen here? Because that's what was already spit out from the computer. That was already, you know, set up for Aaron Boone. When you get to this point in the game, we're not going off of feel and instinct. We're going off of numbers and whatever numbers these analytic guys crunched and whatever they agreed upon. So we're going on 14 years without a World Series appearance for your New York Yankees. And I feel like that's that's just not right. Right, that puts them in a group with like the Chicago White Sox and the Anaheim Angels and the Arizona Diamondbacks and the standards here are much higher and the talent here is much better and the fan base is much stronger. You have resources. This is baseball. You have the money to go out and buy players, but you've gone away from what you did when you bought your last World Series, what you did when you anteed up around Jeter in his last year, 2009. 2014, those are the last years that you see the Yankees go out and claim multiple free agents and say, okay, we're going to buy our way to a championship. They've tried to be the Tampa Bay Rays in recent years. They've tried to be smarter. They've tried to use numbers and analytics, and they've tried to cut corners and hit the bargain bin instead of just spending. And now you have another owner in town in Steve Cohen who has taken a page out of the Yankees' old book in the last two offseasons and says, no, we'll just go buy the best players. Short-term deals, we'll spend the money to get them now so that we can be competitive and so that we can win a World Series sooner rather than later. Brian Cashman, don't let that happen, bro. Don't let the Mets win a World Series before you get back to one. Don't let the Mets go back to a World Series before you get back to one. There's a ton of little kids now picking up that royal blue hat instead of that navy hat, and uh, that could affect your business moving forward. 877-337-6666. Mike is in Astoria on the fan. What's up, Mike? Hey, good evening, Keith. How you doing tonight, bro? I'm good, man. Thanks for checking in. No doubt, man. From one fellow Lyft driver to another, man. You keep me up. Same thing with Sal Licata. And I just got back from Pittsburgh on a long run, and I'm glad to be back in New York. Wow. You drove somebody from New York, New Jersey area out to Pittsburgh? Well, actually, I got a side gig. I transport animals. So I had a little kitten from Flushing, Queens, out to Pittsburgh and back real quick. So I'm a hustler, brother. Yeah, get your money, bro. Trust me, I know the grind. And I've never taken anyone to PA, but I used to be back and forth from the airports, New York, New Jersey. Yeah, that's a trip. A trip all the way down to South Jersey, North Jersey. I I normally do lift in New Jersey. That's why I stay. I stay out of the city and I stay in New Jersey. It's a lot easier. Yeah, it sucks going into the city because you'll drop somebody off all the way out in Queens and then you can't pick up a ride in New York. You can't, you you got to drive back 90 minutes, two hours until you can get another ride. I don't have a TLC license, so I just stay posted up at Newark Airport. That's my spot. Heard you. But anyway, um, yeah, I met you last year at La Bodega. You took a picture with me, man. I appreciate it, man. You're a good dude. 
Um, my quick point I just want to make, man, you know, I've been watching the Yankees since 83. And um, whenever they won, there's one key thing they've always had and that, that really made them good. They had the positions fortified. Like, you can't go into the beginning of the season not knowing who your left fielder is, not knowing who your third baseman is. You got to know who the hell is playing. Excuse my language. No, but, but I'm, with um, you. I'm with you on that, right? Because that's what we grew yeah. up. We grew up knowing who was going to, one, be in the field and where they were going to bat. Right. Exactly. Like, you can't. And, and then, and then what, what gets me, you, you're wasting DJ LeMahieu. I would just put him at third, right? Use IKF as a platoon guy while you still have him. Or if you can trade him by the deadline coming up, you know, midseason, you know, you can get rid of IKF. And then the, the, the young guys come up, put, you know, Peraz at short. And then keep, you know, for now, I guess, keep Glaber at second. And then you got Rizzo at first. And, you know, I don't think it would be a bad idea. I, mean, I know you got the young catcher coming up in the farm system that everyone's raving about. But, yo, know, I'd take a chance with Sanchez just for his back. You know what I mean? You can you can keep keep uh, who you have at catcher now, and then Torino, and then use Sanchez for his bat. You can even DH him. But you know, like I said, you gotta have the positions fortified. You gotta know who's playing where, and because they grind together every day. You can't have one guy not in the lineup one day and the next guy. You get look at Houston. They got the same guys every game, every game. You know who's at first. You know who's at third. Consistency. And you live with it and that's it helps everything to, to be consistent. You can't be successful without being consistent, bro. Thanks for the call. I'm right there with you, except on the Gary Sanchez stuff. Hell no. <laughs> I don't care if Gary Sanchez is wearing his Yankees gear. He was a Yankee from age, I don't know, 16 to 26. Like he's he's got a ton of Yankees gear. But that ship has long sailed. And 26, now he's 30 now. So he was a Yankee when he signed in the Dominican Republic at 16-17 till he was 29 last year. And he's 30 now. He's cooked. Mm-mm. 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 I watch Higgy strike out. I watch Trevino strike out. At least I know the Yankees' defense. That Yankees' defense, remember that from last year? That Yankees' defense is going to be be good. If you go look at the Pakota stuff, they, they're expecting the Yankees to give up the least runs. Trevino is a platinum glove catcher. I don't need him to hit. I do need him to hit in October, which brings me to my next point about the Yankees. They don't know what they're they, they don't know what they're doing right now, and they're going to paint the picture as always open competition. And I, you've heard me say iron sharpens iron. That's how you get the best out of guys. I played football, and I love coming into camp and competing, even when I was third string, fourth string. I love watching other guys compete. Open competition for the position. You're going to get the best, right? When you got to bring it every day, you're going to get the best results out of these guys. But the Yankees don't know what they're doing, man. They're hoping for the best. Just like they didn't know what they were doing in October. Oh, let's change the lineup every day. Hoping for the best. Oh, well, Oswald Peraza wasn't on the ALDS roster, but we'll add him to the ALCS roster because we don't trust our stopgap shortstop that we brought here. That was traded twice in the offseason. That was the apple of our eye we just had to have. Can't trust him. He's got the yips. Yeah, he's rangy. He can make some ridiculous plays in the outfield from the shortstop position, but he can't do the routine stuff consistently enough. Consistency. Consistency is key. I learned that young. You have to be consistent. I've used the analogy about if you work in an office 
and you have a key fob to get in the door. And then you have uh, somewhere where you punch your time and you have a desk and a computer and it's set up a certain way. And that's your desk and your computer. And you have a certain amount of time that you have to get meetings in and work done. And then you go to lunch break and you come back and you finish your day. That is a routine. And you have to be consistent through that routine to be successful. If you come in and they're saying, oh, you got to go in through the other door. Oh, yeah, your key fob doesn't work today. It only works some days. Oh, yeah, you're not sitting there anymore. You're sitting by the window today. Oh, yeah, your computer, we got you a different HP. We'll get, we'll bring your other computer back next. Like, you're not going to be able to perform as well. You're not going to be able to execute as well. You're not going to be able to deliver and do your job. Consistency is key if you want to be successful in anything. My hope is that through spring training, the Yankees... Get some set roles for guys, set positions, a set lineup. Aaron Judge cannot lead off. And then they go into the season and they they hopefully stay healthy. And then they have their system, obviously, of resting guys. But they have enough versatility. They have enough utility types. That's why I don't really want to see Oswaldo Cabrera start in left field because he's a guy that you saw play every position last year except center field and pitcher and catcher. DJ LeMayu is a guy that is now, again, the odd man out after getting MVP votes as a Yankee a couple years ago, but he can play first, second, third. That versatility is going to help when you need to rest people. That versatility is going to help. John Carlos Stanton, don't make him just a DH. He can play right field in Yankee Stadium. It ain't that far. He's an MVP in right field. Judge is going to need to rest, and I don't want to see Judge in center field, but I guess Judge has it in his head that he's going to play some center field because he doesn't expect Harrison Bader to play 162 games in center field. I don't either. The guy's got the plantar fasciitis. Who knows how that's going to flare up? Maybe Estevan Florio is in center field some. We'll see, folks. That's why we watch spring training, and that's why we care about spring training. And when I hear people like, oh, why are you guys counting down to spring? We get it. Like spring. What are you so excited about spring training? Because I like that stuff. Like I like baseball. I like the Yankees. I want to start to see my team come together. I am rooting for certain guys in spring training. I'm rooting against some. I can't wait for March 30th. Let's get back to the phone. Tracy in Dix Hills on the fan. What's up, Tracy? Hey, what's going on, Keith? Uh, first time uh, speaking with you. Hey, um... I have a Yankee point. Before I, before I get to that, let me answer a question. My first time watching the uh, football game in Harrisonburg was in 2016 at a homecoming. Would you have been there at that time? No, I'm older than that. I'm older than that. But you you went in a great time period for James Madison football. Uh, it, they built up the campus. They built up the field. The stadium was better. You know, I was there tw- 2006, 2007. Yeah, from a from a from a stadium from a sports standpoint, that stadium really uh, blew my mind. Yeah, it uh, wasn't like but, that when I first went there. That whole uh, that whole side that is like super built up. I remember I knew I was going to transfer when I saw the three D renderings of that. But now JMU has gone from you know where they were when I was there, one double A. Now they're actually like FCS. Um, they're one A. It's a beautiful campus. Beautiful school, 70% beautiful girls. I loved it while I was down there, but I knew I had to get up out of there. Um, all right, getting to my Yankee point, uh, Frankie Montez. And I know, I know, as you said earlier, it's uh, Frankie Montez. 
But, um, you, you know, hearing about an injury now going into uh, when pitchers and catchers are reporting, um, my, my question comes, like, is this something that really should have been picked up sooner? Because yeah. I, I know Frankie Montez or not, it, it could have been someone else. And, and my question would be whether there's other little things like this we're going to have to deal with when there's uncertainty about who's starting in, in different spots and stuff like that. Well, yeah, well, first I'll, I'll take a shot at the medical team for the Yankees. And I already spoke tonight about how in 2019 they had they led the league in IL stints and they came back the next year and did that and they fired a bunch of people. Um, they made, uh, uh, what's his name, Steve Donahue. They made him, uh, not Steve Donahue. I can't think, of, I'm blanking on him. They made him emeritus. Yankees emeritus. I don't know. I'm going to find the name. The old, bald, white guy that usually comes out of the dugout to help. Like, they made him fall back, and they hired some new medical staff people. They hired some people that implemented this scheduled rest, right? But, like, how did they not catch this? The first person that put me on to Frankie Montas being damaged goods is Susan Waldman. And people that listen to the Yankees can probably harken back to Susan Loki didn't want Frankie Montas because she pays attention to the whole league and he hit the IL for the A's and she she was putting it out there like I don't know about him right if you don't get Castillo it doesn't mean you have to go pivot to him he's hurt right. like they should have picked up on this last year and they did that's why he was out remember he was he was out and he right. comes back right. in October they should have shut him down but they wanted to right. get some type of value out of him they they just had it in their head. They're they're so focused on the numbers. They had it in, in their head. Frankie Montas pitches well against the Astros. He's got good numbers against the Astros. We got to use him against the Astros. They force him to come back. He gives up a solo shot, and that's probably the last pitch he throws for the New York Yankees. Right, because my my concern if if there was an issue now, then maybe that issue really should have been picked up back then. And then if treatment was going to be needed. Do it then, and then we see what we have going into uh, spring training. It's an L. It's to, an uh, L all the way. It's a loss. It's a it's a loss right. of a trade. It's a loss of three young pitchers in this organization that are probably going to prove themselves at the major league level this year and the next year. And uh, the Yankees have Lou Trevino, who like I don't I don't know in this bullpen. Like I don't know how much usage we're gonna get out of him. I'm not really sold on him. I think he's just an average guy. It's an L. Cashman's got to hold this L. And anybody that's coming at Cashman today, they they're they're allowed to, rightfully so. I said Cashman should have been on that podium to sit next to Boone and answer questions about Frankie Montas, who he traded for. Oh, you can't put that on Aaron Boone to talk about. Like you gotta you gotta you gotta take some of that heat. And uh, it's just unfortunate. We've seen this, right? It's like. Uh, Luis Severino goes down in spring training. Uh, we've seen other guys just like, oh, they report report day, something flares up. Now they got to get surgery. Why is he? What's the wait? He's getting surgery on the twenty first in L A. They couldn't get him uh, under the knife sooner, but it doesn't matter. He's not. If he comes back at the end of the year, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in in him coming back at the end of the year for what? Um, right, right. It was a right. mistake. He, it was an L of a trade. Yeah, if he's back, if he's back at all, it, it, you know, at that point, you might as well just push it to the following season. I mean, I don't even know if he's on. No, nah, he's going to be after. a free agent. That's why I'm saying he's he's done. Like oh. the the whole thing in trading for him, right? We were looking for the upside. We're like, okay, we didn't get Castillo, but this guy has been a serviceable pitcher. He's got good numbers against the Astros, and he'll be in this rotation next year. Now he's not. So right. I don't know. I I, I think about Cashman. 
Thanks for the call, Tracy. I think about Cashman and I'm like, how do you not find out these things? How do you not know these things? How do you not know Garrett Cole is using spider tack and cheating in Houston before you give him the bag? And Garrett Cole is still a good pitcher, one of the best pitchers in the league. But his first full season without spider tack, he gives up 33 home runs. And you're paying this guy 36 mil for nine years. How do you not know? There's no whispers. You don't have any intel. How do you not know Frankie Montas is damaged goods when you trade away J.P. Sears, Ken Waldachuk, Luis Medina? Any Yankees fan that pays any attention to the miners in the farm knows all three of those guys. You traded them away for what? For Lou Trevino, essentially. I, 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 and, and it's like, I understand that a trade is a trade. And that you can get finessed. Cashman, you're not supposed to be getting finessed at, at, at this stage of your career. I understand a trade is a trade. You trade uh, your worth. They trade their worth. And you hope that you win the trade. But it's like, how do you not know about the medical stuff? I think I read somewhere today that like they don't, they don't come in and do full physicals at the trade deadline. It's more like a medical swap. So I guess the Yankees got the records on Frankie Montas. How come their doctors aren't flagging that type of stuff, right? And I, I trolled Mets fans about Carlos Correa, but if it was the Yankees, I would have said, fine. Don't sign that guy. And now the Mets have more money to sign Pete Alonzo. That's all I got, man. 154, 155 came fast. Paul, I'm sorry. Paul in North Arlington, I did not get to you, but good news. I'm back on the air at 7 p.m., We'll do the KM to AM five-hour show the next two days, Thursday and Friday. E-Man is in here. E-Man's coming up next. And I hope I hope he's not going to defend Cashman in this trade. Remember that Cashman took a shot at the fans. We're the delusional ones. We're the ones with the high expectation, right? We're spoiled. Nah, do better. You could do a lot better. Keep me fiercer on the fan. That's all the time I've got. I gotta drive through the Lincoln Tunnel. I'm out. It's time to support your favorite MLB superstars and let your voice be heard with the 2024 MLB All-Star Ballot presented by BuildSubmarines.com. Oh, what a shot. That's right. You get to help choose the starting lineups for the Midsummer Classic and decide who represents your team at the MLB All-Star Game presented by MasterCard this summer in Arlington. He makes the play. So make your picks today at MLB.com slash vote. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.